Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and with me as always is Matt. Yes, hello. Welcome back. Excited. Very excited. Ready. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about overtraining. Overtraining? Overtraining. Does it exist? It does exist. Yeah? Yes. I heard it's a myth. No, no, no. My, my friend at the gym that does bicep curls every day said there's no such thing as overtraining. No, it's definitely a thing. Yes, studies have been studies have been done. So today we are going to be deep diving into overtraining, all things overtraining, yep. what it is, why it is, how it is. How to recognize it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll give some tips uh, to have a look at at the end. Yeah, So as we do. Getting stuck straight in, Matt. Yep. Can you just explain what the hell is overtraining? All right. So I look at overtraining... I suppose there's two different ways or two different terms you could use to just to I suppose start with it. It's either overtraining or under recovering. Mm. Like take your pick, the outcome's the same. But what I'm talking about, and this can be applied to anyone, no matter what their experience level is, it's where your exercise output isn't being supported by what you are doing when you are not exercising. That's also why I'm very comfortable with the term under-recovering because you're not recovering adequately in time for your next training session. And that's where it starts to lead to, you know, there's, there's certain signs that maybe you are under-recovering or, and or overtraining. Mm, okay. So, well, then in, in saying that, let's get stuck straight into those signs then, yes? Yep. So... What, what are the signs that you are training too much or that you might be training too much? There's quite a few, actually. Quite a few things that could be a bit of a giveaway. Mm. Uh, the easiest one is that you're either not getting stronger in the gym or, even worse, you're getting weaker. Yeah. Strength okay. decreases. So if you find that you just haven't got the juice in your training sessions, and in, in particular here we're talking about the weights room, you're getting worse. So that's on a consistent level. So yep. I, I, you, some people just have bad days. So you go into well, the gym. I would actually say that we all have bad days. I would say that the occasional shitty workout is the same as the occasional superhuman workout. Yeah. They can, they're often these once-off things. That we call that the shit, the shit happens category. But when it, there's a consistency here over the course of, say, a few weeks... Even you're a couple, not, even a couple of months. Well, you're not able to hit your targets that you were once lifting. Well, you're not improving. You're not improving. You're not improving, or or even worse, you're getting weaker. Mm. That's an easy sign. Okay. A real easy sign. Another one would be with say your cardio sessions, where the quality of the sessions are getting worse. So you'll find that you might be. This is a term we use here in Australia. 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 You're dragging ass. You're dragging ass through your workouts, which is another way of saying you are, it's a real chore and you're having to drag your butt through your session 
Now, in the case of a cardio session, this can, and I've felt this before in my past as well, it can come by way of, say, what we call dead legs. Mm. There's just, the, the juice is just not there. Your legs feel heavy, your body feels heavy. And it really hits you early on in that training session. This isn't like I've been going for an hour and then suddenly my legs are dead. You know very quickly. Yes. I know, even even now, I'll know pretty quickly during, say, an aerobic session of mine, if I haven't recovered adequately, I can feel it in my legs immediately. Yes. It's like, shit, the pop isn't there. The explosiveness, the explosion isn't there. Yes. Uh, it just doesn't feel like I've got my legs under me. Yes. And that goes across for all, all training for that cardio. So say, for instance, I had an example a couple of weeks ago where I went and did a cardio session at the gym and I was going to do sort of a little bit on a couple of different exercises. Yep. Um, and I got on the stepper machine and I just couldn't, I just had nothing. Like my legs just had nothing. Yep. But then I got on the treadmill and I actually did interval running and I could do that and my legs felt okay. So that's a little bit different from what you're explaining where if I was in that overtraining mode, if I was, if my legs were just dead from I wasn't recovered properly. If you hadn't recovered in time. I would, have, I would have got on the treadmill and felt the same as on the stepper machine. It, it would have, it would have sucked happened. ass no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you just know, you can just feel it. As you, as you just develop a better connection with your body and how it performs, you know when the legs aren't there and when the juice aren't, isn't there. So that's an easy sign in terms of cardio workouts. Another one is that you are constantly sore. Mm. So you, your joints, you'll have joint pain, constant joint pain, constant muscle pain. Uh, it'll also can present, present itself in terms of being uh, routinely tired. Mm. Like you may think you've had a great sleep and a long sleep the night before and you're still tired. Constantly you're, fatigued. Yep, and you're still fatigued. Mm. It's, just, it's just not there. Yeah. You know, and that's just not just so much in the gym. That can be on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like I feel like, you know, not me personally, but someone you might say to yourself like, geez, I feel like junk most days. Yeah. I exercise a lot and, I, and you might think you look after yourself, but you feel like shit. Like that's, that's why we talk so much about, you know, the, the, what's called the golden triangle, how you look, how you function, how you feel. Those three things need to be addressed to get a permanent sustainable change. And you might be training the house down but if you still feel like shit day after day after day, like something's going wrong. And a real easy one is where you could be opened up to injury. Mm. And this is where you've got to be you know, very careful where some people look for the, the badge of honour in the gym where I'll just push through it, mate. Mm. Like, no, dummy, don't just push through it because if you're doing something that's causing you pain, the wrong type of pain, and you keep going at it, you're probably going to pay a price. So injury can be uh, an extreme sign of undertraining, sorry, overtraining slash under recovering. But the biggest, one of the biggest signs can be as simple as this. You're not changing. Mm. You might be taking regular progress photos, and if you aren't, you should be. Mm. You might be taking regular progress photos, and you think, you're doing everything tip top, but nothing's changing, mate. What the fuck? Mm. That's a sign as well, because overtraining slash under recovering uh, can very quickly and easily lead to just not changing. But I should also mention when I talk about you aren't changing, if I have a client who's not changing the way that 
we want them to be changing, I'm not so much going to be looking immediately at training as or overtraining as I am their habits. So there's a bit of a pecking order here. Mm. See if I can make sense of this. Let's put it to you this way. If someone isn't changing, and I know for a fact that they do very well Monday to Thursday, mm. yet Friday to Sunday, it's non-stop alcohol, all the junk food, all the takeaway food. We're going to look at that mm. before we think mm, maybe they're overtraining. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Uh, but if those things are improving and getting under control, then, yeah, it's like do we need to back off what they're doing in terms of their training? So that is a sign, a big one, that you're just not changing. And that's where you, you start to think, well, is my exercise and the amount of exercise I'm doing – actually being counterproductive. In fact, here's, the, here's a really funny question, maybe not so funny, but funny to ask. Is the exercise I'm doing making me fat? Yeah. Because in some cases, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's contributing to the plateau. I know how ridiculous that sounds yeah. at the surface level, but if you're, and I've been there myself, if you're someone who is exercising the house down, like you're training your ass off, and you're still overweight or soft or shapeless and you just feel like junk, then is the exercise actually helping you? Yeah. Yep. And that's where there's and we'll get into this later on in this in this episode, there is a real balance to strike with people in terms of doing, you know, just the right amount of the right types of exercise. Well that's that's a great point. So let's let's expand maybe that a little bit further in terms of if you can, I think Matt, if you could probably explain to us the difference between volume and intensity. Yep. We talk about intensity a lot when it comes to exercise. Sure do. And then what volume, how volume plays a role. Yep. And then you've also got the differences between quality and quantity. Which is the same thing, basically. It's just different ways of putting yeah. it. So volume versus intensity is another way of saying quality. Versus quantity. Which is what we say a lot. So you'll hear us a lot talk about quality over quantity and and vice versa. And that is is a volume versus intensity discussion. So when it comes to training, you can either have volume, which means lots of. Yeah. Now, let's say someone's goal is to run an ultra marathon. Mm. That is a volume style of goal. Yes. Which requires a, a volume type of approach. Yes, as a volume style of training to, yes, indeed. to build up. Yes. Now, that doesn't... Last I checked, this isn't the Ultra Marathon podcast. No. Here on the Weight Loss Podcast... We haven't started that one yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Mm. Once we finished our own Ultra Marathons on the 12th of Never. That's right. All right. When it comes to training to improve your body shape, you know, build muscle, burn fat, improve health markers... There, you, you can still have volume versus intensity because mm. I'm sure uh, you listening, as much as Courtney and I, I'm sure you've seen people and probably still do in your gym and they're there. When you walk in, they're training. When you take a break to get some water, they're still exercising. When you leave the gym to get in the car, they're still there working out mm-hmm. day after day after day. And these are the people you see appearing on the leaderboards at your gym because they're there 60 times in a month. 
Yeah, so I don't know if your gym has a leaderboard, but Matt and I, our, our gym has a leaderboard, which they they proudly display. A lot of, gy- a lot of gyms do. And can I just, as a, a bit of a digression, the goal that Courtney and I have is to actually never appear on this leaderboard <laughs> ever. Yes. For no. this particular, but for, for this exact reason. Yes. Um, so there's a discussion about volume. So you've got volume, which is lots and lots and lots of something. Mm. So you might be someone who's doing like a training session every single day of the week or two training sessions every single day of the week. Or in some cases that I've seen, people that will do two, two training sessions a day through the week and then three a day on the weekend. Mm. That is volume, classic mm. volume. Same thing with um, the training sessions themselves. The training sessions themselves might be, let's talk about, say, a, a weight training day, 10 different exercises, five sets per exercise, mm. 20 to 25 reps per set, like fucking hell. Mm. That's volume, mm. big time. Now, that's one thing you can have is a lot of that. The other thing is intensity. Intensity being maximum effort. effort. Mm. Now, here's the thing. When you are looking at maximum effort, if you are really training for maximum effort, you ain't going to have volume, trust me. Mm. Because maximum effort only lasts so long. Legitimate maximum effort. Yeah. If you've ever done a maximum effort cardio session, you'll know you ain't really getting past 30 minutes. If you are, you have an honest discussion about, you know, am I really putting out here? When it comes to a maximum effort and intense weight training session, you aren't doing sets of 20. You aren't doing 10 exercises a day. You aren't doing five sets per exercise because you can't last. No. Give an example of, of intensity for me. When it comes to weight training, on a, uh, on a good, solid, intense day of chest exercises, Three exercises and I'm done. Mm. Three. And that's two sets per exercise. So we're talking six effort, max effort, intense working sets, and I am cooked. Mm. Am I going to then go and do five, six, seven, eight other exercises after that? I've got nothing in the tank. No. So you can choose between volume or intensity. You can't have both. Not the whole time, no. Well, put it this way. It's not going to last long. No matter how no matter how well you eat, how well you sleep, how well your hydration is, take it from me, you ain't going to last. Mm. If you think you can, you're lying to yourself. I've seen this a thousand times. Mm. So when it comes to training, there is a choice to be made about volume versus intensity. Courtney and I, we choose intensity. And the reason we choose intensity is as simple as this. It leads to the fastest possible results. Because last I checked, that's kind of what we want. Yes. Yeah? When it comes to this. Yes. Hope that makes sense. Yes, I I think it does. And it clears that that up a little bit because we're not saying that volume is wrong if it's placed correctly. Now, I'll tell you what, you just nailed that. It It is specific to the goal. Yes. If the goal is to look and feel and function your best, the shortest path to the destination is by learning how to train with intensity, but then backing it up with 
adequate recovery. Yes. Which is the whole point of this episode. Which is the whole point of this episode. So moving a little bit more onto that theme, Matt, how does hydration play a role? Hydration? Hydration. Because ah. I think that's a really key point that I wanted to get to mm. because I feel like when you're talking about overtraining, a lot of people don't factor in something like hydration into that conversation generally. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, water, everyone everyone will pay lip service to it. Oh, I need to drink more water. Yeah. Actually, you do. Yes. You actually do. We do. The thing is, though, water is... I would say water is the most underrated health supplement on the market. Because when you think about it and when you know what water does in terms of performance, recovery, strength, weight loss, it is a supplement. Mm. Yet we're so quick to go and, okay, let's go buy some protein. Let's go and get creatine. Let's get the latest pre-workout fat burner. Let's go and get all this U-Butte powder shit. You know what people don't take as a supplement? Water. Water. Because it is. So hydration does play a role because even being moderately or marginally dehydrated can lead to massive decreases in performance. Hmm. Now, the thing is, a very common question that we get and have had for years and will continue to get is, well, how much water should I drink? Now, mate, that's a bloody good question. Courtney's having some right now. Yeah, great question. That's a great question. Um, Now, it's hard to answer because it can be dependent on Size, body weight, exercise output, a safe bet. Like I'm talking now the most generalized recommendation that I can make. If you aim for four liters a day and go from there, that's four liters a day. Mm. How much do you reckon I have a day? Because I actually measure mine. How much? Five to six. Mm. Because I've got this little rule for myself where every time I have a meal because I have six meals a day I have one of these litre bottles of water I'm holding up that you can't see but Courtney can yes <laughs> so how's the podcast working out when well, I'm show, it's show and tell now it's going really well yeah fantastic <laughs> whoops but yeah I aim to have a, a litre of water after and between all of my meals yeah so not directly after you got to down this liter oh, of water. I can't do that. You're stretching no. it out over a couple of hours. Yes, I am. But, I, but I'm constantly, I guess you'd say grazing on water. Yeah, yeah. Constantly. And, and that's and really the way I think to get your hydration in during the day. And and I'm not great at it. I'm no, not going to gonna be, say to, that I am. To, well, to be fair though, most people are. No. And it's taken, I think I can get better still again. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think for me, I struggle a lot with hydration in the colder months. Yeah, a lot of people deal with that because yes. your body just doesn't autopilot to telling you it's thirsty, but yes. it's still it's still there. This time of year in in Australia, where well, we're meant to be in summer, it's cold today, but Not for long. in Melbourne, but it's uh, it, you know next week I think we're going to be averaging thirty five degrees Celsius forty each day. Yep. So those sort of days, even not even that high, like, I mean that's quite a high temperature. Mm. We were, I find it very easy to have water because I crave it. Whereas when you're talking about in winter in Melbourne and you're averaging, you know, 10, 12 degrees Celsius at best, at best a day, I find that very difficult to drink water. Most, a lot of people do. That's normal. But here's the thing to keep in mind as well. 
the moment you add exercise training to your routine, you actually dramatically increase your hydration requirements because guess what your body expends when you are exercising? Water. Water. Yes, it expends carbohydrates. It also expends water. So I think uh, an episode about hydration is probably an episode by itself. I think so. But in the case of this discussion, as a general prescription – I'd be aiming to start off with four litres a day. Yeah. And if, th- if you're an active person and go yeah. from there. And I think that in that way, if you're someone who th- who thinks about four litres a day and just has a heart attack, just remember, Space it out. like anything that we say, set small target goals and just hit those first. So if you're yes. someone who currently only has one litre a day, your new goal is two litres a day. Yeah, build up to it. And you're going to build up to it. Yep. Also remember to... As uh, I think what your tip, Matt, is fantastic, think of it as grazing on water throughout the day. Yep. So just like you would graze, some people graze on food throughout the day by mm. eating, you know, six meals or whatever in, 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 da- in a day, five meals a day. You're grazing technically on food throughout the day because you're adding in snacks and things like that. I think of it the same way when it comes to water. Yep. And I think the other, the other tip in this discussion which is probably not so obvious matt and but it's a really really good one to bring in when you think about overtraining you don't necessarily think of sleep you don't until you realize just how important sleep is uh to the recovery process to the fat burning process the muscle building process just the body's natural restoration Mm. because the thing is like exercise yes it is good for you but exercise works because it damages your body Yes. And your body then has to adapt and recover. The thing is, it adapts at a far faster rate when the lights are out. Mm. Now, I won't get too deep into this because we actually did an episode. On sleep. On sleep. Um, just don't ask me what episode that was because right now I can't remember. <laughs> Preparation is key for us. Um, but yes, we did do an episode based around sleep. And I think that... It, episode it, 81. It has a lot, thank you, it has a lot to do with, as you say, Matt, recovery. And recovery has a lot to do, as you pointed out at the start of this episode, with overtraining. Yep. So... Sleep, sleep's a massive one. Sleep, put it this way, the episode that we recorded is called Sleep the X Factor. And sleep is indeed the X Factor for a damn good reason. So I would recommend going uh, to the archives at... Um, Theweightlosspodcast.com. That's what... Oh, 100%. How do you forget that? That's it's literally theweightlosspodcast.com. That's why you're here. <laughs> theweightlosspodcast.com, episode 81, Sleep the X Factor, plays a gigantic role in this. Yes. Gigantic. I think sleep all round is, is heavily underrated. I think in terms of just like what you're saying, Matt, with water, and that's why we wanted to bring it up in this conversation we as would well. Be, we w- it, it, it would be... Us doing a disservice to you listening if we didn't mention that. Yes. All right. So definitely consider sleep as a role that it plays in terms of recovery. I think moving on to the wider idea of overtraining, I think a lot of people get overtraining confused. I think overtraining is a term that's spit out quite a lot. Um, Well, we're doing an episode on it. (laughs) Yeah, we are. So when it comes, Matt, to calories, because I think overtraining and cutting calories or, or training in general and cutting calories is used a lot 
in conversation. Mm-hmm. So what? how does cutting calories or counting calories affect training and to sometimes can then tilt that into overtraining territory? Very good question. And uh, here's how I would look at that. So let's say you've got someone who wants to drop a few dress sizes or a few belt buckles. Yes. And they want to you know, get the fastest result possible. What are the two things that get cut first? Carbohydrates, calories. Mm. Not necessarily in that order, but it's the same thing. Yes. Take a pick. So the carbs get cut because, you know, since apparently carbs are bad for us, <coughs> bullshit. Uh, and so we'll cut the carbs and we'll cut the calories. Problem is, this often leads to a backfire. So in terms of, say, cutting out carbohydrates, well, the primary fuel source of the human body is glycogen. Glycogen, yes. Which comes from? Carbohydrates. Carbohydrates. Right. Now, if that's the primary fuel source of the human body, what do we think fuels intense quality training sessions? Hint, it's not your willpower. No, <laughs> Or other, or your motivation, or other shit like that. It's the glycogen stores that have been restored by the carbohydrate you ingest between training sessions. Mm. So an easy way to put yourself on the line to being a victim of overtraining slash under recovering, you cut carbs because immediately you're saying to your body, "I want you to perform at your best, but I'm not going to give you what you need to do that." Yeah. Good luck. Same thing with the calories. So, hey, weight loss industry says if I want to lose weight and look good, I need to um, exercise more and eat less. So we start to cut back on the food. Mm. Just eat less of it. Problem. Big problem here. Now, yes, there is a role to be played in terms of energy balance. A bit. There should be a bit less coming in than there is going out mm. emphasis on the term a bit now we we got pretty deep on this in the uh episode we did a while ago the six secrets of a successful transformation yeah we did speak about calorie deficit we did speak about it there and just for interest i will look up which episode that was because i've also come unprepared don't mind me i just started working <laughs> yes i think we episode 25 we did speak a lot about the need for a calorie deficit, but there is, there is, there, there is such a thing as too much. There's, a, there is such a thing as too much, and it's, it's, it's completely overused. I think this idea of the, the more the calorie deficit, the better. It's sort of like that whole adage of, oh, the more you exercise, the better. Yeah, that's so, that's, that's all bullshit. So here's the deal, because Courtney and I aren't experts at counting calories because we haven't needed to. No. However. In saying that, the more you want to exercise, the more juice you need to put back in the car. Yes, absolutely. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. So in terms then of overtraining, what, Matt, would you see as the most common causes? Uh, There's one. There's one. And I've been guilty of it. I think most people have been guilty of it. You listening probably have, I would... I would probably bet my Super Nintendo 
that you've been guilty of it, if you aren't now, already because they're listening to this, you exercise your butt off, you exercise the house down, and you train hard, you train consistently, you put in your best effort, but by comparison, your nutritional habits suck ass. Mm. That's the technical term. Yes. Uh, that's what it comes down to. The training is not supported by the habits when you are not training. Mm. Another way of saying it is you are trying to out-train poor nutritional habits and choices. Yes. Take it from me, you can't. No. I don't care how good you think you are because I've been there too. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That is by far and away the number one cause for overtraining. It's that whole trading exercise for nutrition. Using thing. exercise as a trade-off. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And another question I think we've been asked so often, and I think it's it'd be a great one to touch on before we head into some tips ah. on this topic, which is how much time should I have between workouts? Fabulous question. I'm going to give a definitive specific official answer right now mm -hmm. ready here it comes i don't know <laughs> i knew that was coming <laughs> the reason i don't know is because there's no answer to this one no, you can't because answer it we thing is how much time should you have between workouts you think about this you got to consider who's asking the question yes is it Matt asking the question, who's a 42-year-old male who's very big and very strong and very athletic and has a very long training history? Or is it a 45-year-old mum who's 40 kilos overweight who's just getting off the couch for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years? Yes. Like there's different, different prescriptions here. When it comes to how much time you should have between workouts, here's what I look at. There is trial and error required. Yes. But you're better off doing what you consider to be not enough. Yes. Because here's the thing. You can undertrain or what you think is undertrain and you can still get a result. You know how I know this? I've seen it. Yes. Because that lot. comes down to what you're doing outside of the gym. And also that's what our clients do. Yes. Whenever someone starts working with us to begin with, we have them doing deliberately not enough training. Yes. Because they can still get a result and we've got the photos to show it. But then if you do what you consider to be not enough training, you know what you've got there? Room to improve. Mm. If you start out of the gate, training six, seven days a week, two times a day, sometimes three times a day, how are you going to progress that? There's no progression there. You're only, only going one, to burn yourself out precisely. and pull it back. There's only one way you're going and that's down and you feel like shit because you think you've failed. No, you haven't failed. Correct. You just started the wrong way. So you're always safer to err on the side of not doing enough and having the, the window there to build it up. Well, I think that that's our perfect opportunity to make that our first takeaway tip. From, yeah. this, from this discussion so far. So moving into tips? I think we'll move into tips because I think that has been a great discussion on overtraining. Yep. So in terms of moving into what you can take away from this episode and what you can take away from what Matt has just explained, I think that, that there is a perfect first tip to give 
which is less is more. Couldn't say any better. Less is always more. Yep. So when you're starting, err on the side of, am I not working out enough? Yeah. I would would rather someone be concerned that they weren't doing enough than me knowing they're doing too much. Yes. Because it's easier to improve – and progress not doing enough than it is doing too much. And and I think what you touched on there as well, Matt, about your confidence and feeling like then a failure if you've got to decrease what you're doing, decrease your load. Yep. Whereas if you start with less is more, you're able to build up your confidence in what you're doing, you're able to focus on technique and you're able to focus on quality of what you're doing. But also it's got to be sustainable. Yeah. And then you're able to weave it into your to your habits, weave it into your daily Lifestyle. life, weave it into your weeks. Yeah. And then you're able, as you say, to look at improving, to look at increasing, and you'd have the confidence to do so. So well said. I and think that's, that's a big, big tip. And it's worth illustrating here, I think, in terms of the tips, like let's – talk about what we do with our own clients yeah, and, and with ourselves as well. So with whenever someone comes to work with, with Courtney and I, as I said before, we do give them what you would consider to be not enough. Yes. But it's based on what is called a 10-point a system. So every type of training that's out there in terms of um, intense weight training, intense cardio exercise yes and less intense movement Mm. have a points system allocated to it Mm. so we we know that with someone who's a beginner with us we want to keep their exercise points down Mm. so let's say someone's doing 12 points of exercise each week it might be two weight training sessions, two intense cardio sessions, and you know maybe two to three less intense activities like a walk or a light swim or a light bike ride, just general movement. Yeah. You know, gardening. Gardening. Shopping. Yeah. Walking the dog. The thing is there, well, I guess describe that. That doesn't sound like much, does it? No. But if you're, doing, if you're learning how to, to exercise with intensity, trust me, it's a lot. Yes. So then we know that by giving them what we consider to be the right amount and the right type of exercise for the individual, because keep in mind, I mean, I talk about you know this point system that we've got, that's also dependent on the person that's being applied to. So me, Matt, with my conditioning and my experience and the fact that I know I sleep very well and I eat like a bloody horse, I can handle a bit more than the average person. So it is, it is very specific to the individual. But we, we deploy this with people to make sure that they're doing just enough of the right stuff to get some sort of change. Mm. And that's where you need to go through it yourself. And Courtney, you're, you've gone through this yourself when you and I first met. I didn't have you doing that much. No. But boy, did you get a change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the intensity was there too. Like you remember back to... Um, the weight training sessions you were doing in the gym, like you were working your tail off. Yeah, I think I only started off with two weight training sessions. You did, you did start off with two, yeah, and correct. I think two cardio sessions uh-huh. a week, That's I it. think. That yep. was it. That's it. Um, but that triggered one hell of a change. Yeah. Like I remember when you first saw your, your progress photos, like 
you were ecstatic. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So we want to make sure that someone's doing just enough of the right type. And by doing that, then we can help to then avoid doing too much mm. and doing too much too soon. Yes. Or too much of the wrong type of exercise. Because training, there's, you might think, oh, exercise is exercise. There is specificity required here. Yeah. Based on the goal, the person, their training age, their background, yes. their nutritional habits, etc. So when this is done the right way, and this is where I think that if you're doing not enough, you're actually setting yourself up for success because with doing not enough or just enough training, you can actually create momentum. Mm. So as you create this momentum, you start to feel more energetic your appetite levels start to rise. Your clothes start to fit a bit differently. You know, things start to feel like you're, you're generating this momentum. You feel that you're taking steps forward. Yeah. You can then build on that. I agree. So there's there's plenty of clients that, that we've worked with and currently do work with who can speak to this from their own experience that as they improve what they're doing away from the gym, if, if it suits their goals and it suits their lifestyle, we do give them more training. Because yeah. we know they can get the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a thing, and I won't get too much into rant territory here, but fuck, here we go. One thing that shoots me to tears is how keen trainers and coaches are to just immediately give their clients these epic workout programs. Mm. It's like, mate, they haven't even established the fundamentals yet. I think, though, I think when it comes to it as well, there's, there's, there's even... Factors that need to be considered throughout the journey. I know Alison, who we've had on our podcast before, I know in terms of her progress, Matt, you you switched her training program up and actually decreased it halfway through her journey because she changed jobs. Yes. And that then impacted her recovery and because it was a very physical job that well, she, she went, went to. Well, she went to working with horses and being a horse trainer and averaging, like she was averaging somewhere between, I think it was 20 to 28,000 steps a day. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like a lot of movement. Yeah. So then obviously the training um, then has to be adjusted to suit because there's a lot more juice going out of the tank just yeah. through day-to-day work-related yeah. activities. You're not sitting behind a desk. So oh, this yeah. is where I Absolutely. think as well a lot of trainers are too quick to give a one-size-fits-all program and you're not adjusting it, even even mid-journey, to suit the person and their lifestyle because everybody's lifestyle changes. Things happen. You might move. Something might come up. There's different stresses involved. And yep. you have to be able to adjust as you're going. And, and not just that. It's not just that. It's also the individual improves. Yes. So if you've got someone who starts off as a beginner – you know, they, they start to get consistent with their training. They get stronger. They learn, how to, they learn how to train with more intensity. The more you train with intensity, the more recovery you need. Yeah. And I think this is where it comes down to what we've always spoken about, which is make sure that you're recording what training you're doing. Yes. And the weights you're doing and, and, how, and how you performed in those 
training sessions we know we people where they'll rate themselves out of five or something like that for that training day so whether they're writing it they're training out by hand or they're writing or they're typing it out in their phone or or wherever you're recording it you know we've got we've had people we've seen people matt before where they've given themselves a rating out of out of five or out of ten for that particular it is training day it is an easy tip to give here is you know are you recording your training so as Courtney just said there, you are giving yourself an assessment on your performance, but also are you recording what you're actually doing in your sessions? Yeah. Because to us, if you're not recording it, you're winging it. Yeah. And it's the same deal with the trainers taking their clients through sessions. The moment you see a trainer not recording what their client's doing, you know they're guessing. Well, they're not only guessing, they're just assuming that every client they have is going to be do the same thing. One... One size fits all should actually be renamed one size fits one. Yes. Because it'll, it'll suit someone out there. Yes. I don't know who the fuck it is, but it'll suit someone. So one size does not fit all. Uh, the next tip I think to give here, and it's on, this, on the subject of recording, is are you recording the things we've been speaking about here in terms of what goes into your body? Are you recording your water intake? Mm. Are you recording the meals that you're eating? Quality are you, of sleep. Volume and quality of sleep. Mm. So there's now plenty of apps out there that will monitor not just your sleep time, but like how much deep sleep well, you're getting. A lot of people, their watches do all the hardware mm-hmm. for them. Yep. So are you monitoring and recording all these these factors that are adding up when you're not training? Mm. The reason I know how much water I have, for example, is because I've, I've been recording it for so long and I've now got a target to aim for. And it's an easy, for me, an easy visual representation. Here's this litre bottle, which, again, you can't see. <laughs> but I'm aiming for, you know, five to six of those a day. Yes. Okay, easy. But are you recording the, the food that you're making? Hmm. Yep. So food Food's another really big one that Another really big one. Be. It's gigantic. It needs uh, to be recorded. Just a case of are you recording what you're doing. Uh, yeah. If you're not, you're, not you, you're missing out on information. Yeah. Because the thing is... If someone comes to me, right, and they say, oh, I'm not changing, the first thing I'll ask for is show me the data you've been gathering. Show me your training recordings. Mm. Show me your nutritional recordings. Show me your sleep patterns. And it is one thing that we do with our clients as well is is teach them how to accurately collate their own data so then we can see what they're doing but so they can see what they're doing as well. Yeah. Because awareness is half the battle here. So if someone comes to me and says, oh, I'm not changing, and there's no data to see what they're doing, fucking I've got no idea, mate. Yeah. No matter how good I am, I'm useless here. But if someone comes to me and says, I'm not changing, and I then say, show me your training logs, show me your nutritional logs, and your sleep recordings, et cetera, and it's all there, you can work with something there. It's like, oh, well, you, you might be able to see gaps or habits or things that are working against them. But if you're not recording it, you're really... Like, you're not going to know why things aren't changing. You're guessing. Uh, yeah. And that's all I got. That That is, I think, enough to so, digest for one is episode. To, is it time to shut up? I think we might, I think we might go for the big finish on that one. So we hope that that helps in terms of your understanding of what is overtraining, mm. how to recognise it, how to avoid it. Well, what, what I'll do is, because the thing is, this is a very deep topic. So we've 
we've, we've gone at best to what I would consider an intermediate level discussion about this. On the show notes page for this episode over at theweightlosspodcast.com. Thank you. <laughs> I will put a number of recommended links. Yes. If you want to read a bit more in depth mm. about some of the research and science behind what we do know about overtraining slash under recovering. Yes. I will put some recommended reading there. So get yourself a coffee. Yes. Because there's some pretty heavy reading here. Um, it's the stuff that academics go ape for. Yes. But if you want to know more, we'll make sure you've got the option there to have more. Uh, on the subject of having coffee ready, if you want to support us, support what we do, and keep the show ad-free, you can buy us a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash weight loss. You'll see the link to that in your podcast app. Yes, you'll also find the link on our show notes page and in the bio for the Facebook group. That was a question. Is it a question or a statement? It's a question. Okay, so let me handle this one okay. for um, Actually, you've got to come hang out with us at our Facebook group. Yes. I was just wondering... Do we put the link in the bio as well as on the show notes page? Yes. In, yes. The, uh, in the app you are currently using to hear us blither on and get our show horribly wrong, Yes, you will find a link to our Facebook group where you can hang out with myself and Courtney and other fans of the show where you'll get plenty of support and inspiration. Yes. So come and join that Facebook group. Come hang out with us because we answer questions in there that only the group members ask. That's right. Hang out with our cool peeps. Uh, so that's a wrap. Let's uh, let's put a bow on this one. Thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, putting up with us to this uh, this point so far. We hope this has been helpful. Hope this has been helpful. And so we will be back. Well, next week. Next week. Bye for now. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.